There is no substitute for the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Each weekday on Enjoying the Journey, Scott Pauley leads us in a brief study of Scripture. Today, on the Weekend Pulpit, we are happy to share a full-length Bible message given through Scott's pulpit ministry. These messages were recorded live in a local church or gospel event in recent days. It is our prayer that the message will be a help to you today. I want you to open your Bible with me, please, to 1 Thessalonians, would you? We've had two meetings together already this morning. Really, I'm just going to share a thought with you. And when I finish, we're going to do something with it, all right? We're going to do something with what I'm about to show you, so pay real close attention. We're going to, we're going to close with a special prayer, a prayer of thanksgiving and a prayer of dedication for you individually and for this church collectively. Look, how does a church grow? Would you like to know how a church grows? A church grows when each individual in the church is growing. I'd like to call for a church vote. Pastor, do I have your permission? I'd like to call for a church vote. It has nothing to do with money, all right? Whew. How many of you would vote that this church would continue to grow and go forward and be used to the Lord? Would you raise your hand? All right? I'm going to tell you how you actually cast the vote. You don't cast the vote by secret ballot. You don't cast the vote by raising your hand or even saying amen. You cast the vote by being a growing Christian yourself. And when each individual Christian in the church is moving forward for the Lord, guess what? The whole thing moves forward. We've looked at 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 Thessalonians 2. In chapter 1, we learned what we're waiting for. We're waiting on Jesus to come. In chapter 2, we learn what matters in the end, that's souls. When you come to chapter 3, we learn what we ought to be praying for. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 9. Paul writes to this church, wonderful model church, and says, for what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. Can I ask you a question? Is there a period at the end of verse 9 in your Bible? Everybody look at your Bible. Is there a period there, yes or no? No. I'm sorry, kids, for using grammar terms on Sunday, but what is that? At the end of verse number 9, what is that, please? That's a semicolon. You know what a semicolon means? There's more to come. Hear me with your heart just a moment. Verse number nine, he's thanking God for every good thing in them, everything that's happened and all the victories and all the blessings. Can we all just pause right now and say, thank God for what he's done in this church in the last 50 years. Thank God for what he's done in your life. Thank God for what he's done in your family. Praise God for all of that. But wait a minute. God is not finished. He's not put a period there yet. No, there's more to come. Are you breathing? Let's practice. Take a breath, would you? Isn't that nice? That was fun. Let's take, let's take another one all together. Ready? You know what that is? That's the gift of God to you. If you are still breathing, it means God's not finished with you. Don't you die before you die. And don't you quit before God is finished with you. Paul said, I thank God for you. I thank God for how you got saved. Acts 17, when I first preached the gospel, I thank God for the way you obeyed that, which I taught you on three Sabbath days and all that grew out of that. Oh, I praise God for your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope. I thank God for you. But look at verse number 10. Night and day, praying exceedingly. 
You see how he moves from gratitude to prayer? By the way, there's a beautiful progression of praise to prayer. You always enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. God always connects gratitude and the right kind of prayer. There are lots of days I don't feel like praying. Now, maybe you're so spiritual you never have that problem, but there are lots of days I don't feel like praying. You know what I've discovered? Don't start with prayer. Start with praise. Start by giving God glory and just thanking him for his goodness in your life. And you know, the most amazing thing happens when you start by thanking pretty soon, you want to pray. Something wells up on the inside of you. Faith starts growing. You think, oh, God has been good. I can believe him for much more. And so Paul transitions from thanking God for these people to praying for these people. Intercessory prayer, which I think is the highest level of prayer. It's what Jesus is doing right now. And when you intercede for somebody, you're entering into the ministry of Christ with him. And what does he pray? Look at it. Verse 10, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now, God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. There it is again. There it is again. I told you every chapter has the coming of Christ. And again, it's at the end of the chapter. What are we moving towards? We're moving towards the coming of Christ. By the way, you think this has been a nice meal today, and it has been a nice meal today. But you wait till you see the table Jesus spreads at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You think this has been an enjoyable meeting today? Oh, it's been an enjoyable meeting today. But you wait till we all gather around the throne. Look, you've never had a meeting quite like that before. We're moving towards the coming of Christ. But watch this. Until that day, here's what we should pray. You know, one of the first things you learn when you try to pray is that you don't know how to pray. As a matter of fact, the more you grow in prayer, the more you realize you don't know about prayer. Read Romans chapter number eight. We don't know what to pray for as we are. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit because he prays for us and he guides our prayers. And one of the things I've learned is that one of the greatest guides for prayer in the world is the word of God itself. See, you can always know you're praying in the will of God when you're praying in the word of God. And I love what Brother Martin did a while ago, reading to you those great prayers from the Apostle Paul's pen. Those are Holy Ghost-inspired prayers, and they're prayers we can make our own. And right here's one of them. Paul prayed for the church at Thessalonica, and what did he pray? Let's make the prayer list. There's three of them. You got a pen handy? At least mark them in your Bible or mark them in your memory, one of the two. But I want you to get the three prayer requests because in a minute we're going to pray these three things for you and for this church. Number one, in verse 10 and 11, he prays for a growing faith. A growing faith. Now, you say you've trusted Jesus as your Savior. I say praise God, but that's not the end of faith. That's the beginning of faith. The just shall what? Live by his faith. Our dear brother trusted Jesus today as his Savior, and I say thank God. Hallelujah. The angels are rejoicing, and we're rejoicing. It's great. But may I say to all the Christians here who've been saved for a little while, what step of faith have you taken recently? You see, faith is not just how you come to Jesus Faith is how you continue following Jesus. The whole Christian life is a faith life. I'm going to tell you one of the dangers in a church like this, okay? Let me just really talk bluntly to you for a moment. I'll tell you one of the dangers in a church like this. Early on, somebody had to have faith. Somebody had to have faith to, to get something going, to get it started, to build the first building, to break ground, to say, you know, we're going to take the next step of faith and go on, and we're going to take on more missionaries, and yes, we're going to add that ministry, and lots of faith in the early days. If you're not careful, now listen to me, if you're not careful, you'll live the rest of your time on somebody else's faith. 
But if this church is going to move forward for the glory of God, there must be an ever-increasing faith, believing God for much more. So what are you going to believe God for? What are you trusting the Lord for? Look what he says in verse number 10. He says, I want to see you so that I might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. And this is amazing to me. Who was the church at Thessalonica? The model church, the exemplary church. And yet don't miss this. Even the model church had something lacking. He acknowledges that even the best Christians among us still have room to grow, room to move forward. I'm going to tell you the hardest people to get to grow, mature Christians. You get a new believer, you get a new believer, a new believer just excited to be saved. Somebody says, well, you need to obey the Lord in baptism. Well, if that's what the Lord wants, all right. And we start taking these steps of faith, and you get your first Bible and start discovering things and start getting answers to prayer, and it's all exciting and new. And then somewhere we settle in, and we become professional Christians. We know that already. We've heard that sermon before. Yeah, preacher, we know, we, we know. And after a while, we know, we know, we know. And we sit down and die. It's the knowledge that puffs us up. And after a while, we start thinking we've arrived. I want to tell you, if, if, you're, if you're 100 years old, you're not at the finish line yet. Paul, the greatest Christian ever lived, said, we're not yet apprehended, but I'm following after. What's he want? A growing faith. I want to go on with the Lord. Matter of fact, look at chapter 4, verse number 1. Furthermore, there is a furthermore for all of us. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you've received of us how you ought to walk and to please God. Oh, don't miss this, church. So you would abound more and more. Look, don't you shift it into neutral and coast into glory. I don't want to coast into heaven. I want to cross the threshold with the pedal to the metal. Abounding. Are you an abounding Christian? Is this going to be an abounding kind of church? Or are we going to live on yesterday's manna? Are we going to say, yeah, we had some good days? Or are we going to say, Lord, we're, we're expecting you for more and more today? See, the God of the Bible is never the God of less and less. He's the God of more and more. Exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. Great and mighty things that thou knowest not. There is much more for the child of God. And how is it accessed? The same way every good thing is accessed, by faith. And so what does he pray for? He prays, dear Lord, let this church grow in their faith. I ask again, are you growing in your faith? That's a personal thing. If I want to know if you were a really growing Christian, I wouldn't ask your pastor. No, because he can tell me what kind of church member you are, but only God really knows what kind of Christian you are. And there's a whole lot of people who are good church attenders that are not growing Christians. Are you growing in your faith? And, and for the record, I thought this was really interesting, just meditating on this. Paul said, I want to see you so I can help you grow in your faith. But watch this, please. The means by which everybody grows in their faith, that's up to God, not us. Paul said, I'd like to be there, but I can't be there right now. And maybe some of you are waiting for something to change so your faith can grow. I want you to know God's designed it so you can grow in your faith right where you are, even if the circumstances do not change. And this word, look at this word in verse number 10, perfect, might perfect that. Somebody say, well, that's, I'm out on that preacher. I'm not perfect. No, no. 
Perfect here doesn't mean that you're sinless. None of us are sinless. Only one sinless man. That's the God man, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the word perfect here literally means complete. And it was a word that in Paul's day was used when they would mend fishing nets. When these huge nets would get a hole in them and something would come loose and they'd have to mend that net so it'd be whole and complete and functional again. May I ask you, are there any holes right now in your life that need to be sewed up? Any areas that need to be mended? Let the Holy Spirit tell you right now. Let the Lord be thorough with you this week. I, I said in the church a few weeks ago, why don't you pray this prayer? God, be thorough with me. And I said, I warned him. I said, be careful. If you ask God to do it, he'll answer that prayer. A couple of nights later, a man came up to me, an old elderly saint, and he said to me with tears, he said, I've been praying that prayer this week, preacher. And he said, you are right. He said, the Lord's showing me all kinds of things. Oh, Lord, perfect that which is lacking in my faith. Here's a second thing. Write it down on Paul's prayer list. We're going to make it ours in just a second. Number one, it's for a growing faith. And number two, it's for an increasing love. Look at verse number 11. Now, God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way into you. By the way, do you see again? He did it in chapter one, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know it's a compound subject in a single verb? I love that because there's one God, the Father and the Son are one, working together. And look at verse number 12, and the Lord make you, yes, Lord, make us, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Here's the second thing. We want not only to have a growing faith, we want to have an increasing love. You know, churches get known for things. They really do. They get known for things. I've heard several times today, the church on the hill. That's something that's been used a lot. Yeah, so this is the, in, in town, this is the church up on the hill. I understand. Sometimes churches get known. They say, oh, that's the church that runs those buses. Sometimes they say, oh, that's the church with the school. That's the church. Mm, you fill in the blank. Every church gets known for something. It's not always good things either. But they get known for something, some signature thing. Can I tell you what Jesus said his church was supposed to be known for? He said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples. When you have love one for another. You know the greatest thing anybody could ever say about this church? I'll tell you one thing about that church. That church is full of the love of God. When they come through the door, they ought to sense the love of God. When they meet you in the community, they ought to be introduced to the love of God. It's not your buildings. You've got beautiful buildings. Thank God for the facilities God's let you steward. But it's all going to be gone someday, and we're all going to be gone from here someday. It's not the buildings that makes up the church. It's not how many missionaries you support. It's not how much money's in the bank, how big the budget is, how many programs you have. That's not what makes this church. What makes this church is the presence of the God of love in this place. And if we're what we ought to be, then we ought to be praying for an increasing love. Matter of fact, look over at verse 9 and 10 of chapter 4. Next chapter, verse 9. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all of Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase. Anybody noticing a theme here, a repetition? More and more. Not just a little of the love of God. More and more. I'm looking around at all these children. By the way, you parents and grandparents. God bless you for having your kids and grandkids in a church like this and keeping them around here all day today. God will honor that. I tell you, God will honor that. And we teach our boys and girls to sing, Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so. And we teach him for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And if we're not careful, we almost get the idea that the love of God, that's like entry-level Christianity. You know, it's like, it's like uh, where you start when you're little children or when you really don't know anything. But then when you really get to know the deep things of God, then I just tell you, the deep things of God is you go deeper and deeper into the love of God. 
why he said in Ephesians, I want you to know the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of God, which passeth understanding. Listen to me. It's not the shallow end of the pool. It's the deep end. It's the whole pool. And as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, you know what you begin to be awed by more and more? That God would love us. There's the love you receive. That's God's love for you. And it comes from him and through so many of his people. Aren't you glad you've received the love of God? Isn't it wonderful being a part of a church family? I just looked around watching everybody fellowshipping and laughing and having a good time and encouraging one another. I thought, this is what a church is about. I mean, this honestly, this is what a church family is all about. And there's not a civic group in town or an organization in this country that can take the place of what the local New Testament church does in the life of a believer. It's the love you receive, but don't miss this. It's not just the love you receive. It's the love you're supposed to relay. And I love the fact, you read the church of Thessalonica, he said they loved one another, and then they loved other people who were outside the church. Oh, this is important. We love each other, and then that love starts there, but it doesn't stop there. We reach out and we start showing the compassion of Jesus to people in the community and showing the love of God to them with the goal of bringing them to Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, I want to pray right now for a growing faith and an increasing love in my life and in this church. And then one more, don't miss it. Here's where, the, here's where the rub comes in. You ready? Look at verse 13 to the end. He may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God. Would you write down, we're praying only for a growing faith and an increasing love. We're praying for a deepening holiness. Sad, but people don't even talk about holiness anymore, do they? They don't even talk about it. And by the way, standards, convictions, rules, and regulations are not the same thing as holiness. I believe in them. You need them, but that's not holiness. Holiness is heart-level Christianity. And I learned a little secret. You get the heart right, the rest of it will take care of itself. You get the holiness where it ought to be in, in somebody, and it'll work its way out. Look at that verse. Look at all the dimensions. Here's the length of the holiness. It's to the end, all the way to the coming of Christ. Uh, here's the depth of holiness. It establishes you. Uh, here's the breadth of holiness, unblameable, above reproach. Here's, here's the height of holiness at his coming. You see what he's saying? He's saying, I'm praying for you that you become more and more like Jesus. I'd like to tell you what God wants for every person in this room. Would you look me in the eye just a moment, everyone? He wants you to be like Jesus. Would you like to know what revival is? Somebody said, we're having revival. Well, I don't know if we are or not. That's up to the Lord. I hope we do. But if it comes, I'm going to tell you what revival is. Revival is when the Holy Ghost gets everything out of us that doesn't look like Jesus and puts in us everything that does look like Jesus. He conforms us to the image of his son. In the last few days, I've been praying this for me, not for you. Sorry. I can't pray for you until I pray it for me. I've been praying, dear Lord, help me. I want to be a more holy man. And I really mean that. We don't have any holiness of our own. If there's any holiness in any of us, it must not be us. It must be Jesus in us. We've been made partakers of his holiness. But I've been praying this for myself. Dear Lord, I want more of that. I'm not talking about the externals. I'm talking about in the spirit, in the motive, in the desires, in the, in the secret things, in the imaginations, in the part where nobody goes but you and God, in the part you can't dress up and put on for church, a deepening holiness. And if you're going to be as a Christian, and this church is going to be as a church what God wants us to be, there must be, look at the list, a growing faith, an increasing love, and a deepening holiness. And I want to ask you a personal question. When was the last time you prayed for those three things? Now, we pray for a lot of things. I'm in a lot of prayer meetings. And usually, most church prayer meetings, you pray for lots of sick people. By the way, aren't you glad God heals and answers prayer? I believe we should pray for that. We pray for lots of physical things and lots of material, temporal things. 
But you read the New Testament, you know what you're going to find? The prayers of the Holy Spirit, by and large, are for spiritual realities. When was the last time we got down to business with God and said, Lord, I'm praying for these three things? In fact, it's pretty intense. Look back at verse number 10. He said, night and day praying exceedingly. He said, we just, we're with fervency and urgency and intensity praying for these things. And I want to say this, oh Lord, oh Lord, would you awaken something in these young people? Would you awaken something in the in the eldest among us? Would you awaken something in these young couples that are just starting out? Would you would you stir something in the single adults that are here and, and the middle-aged folks in the room who, who are in my category? Lord, would you stir in all of us something that hungers for God and says, Oh, Lord, we don't want to stop where we are. We want more and more. We want to abound. We want to increase. We want everything you have for us. Lord, help us to have the faith and the love and the holiness that will reflect your glory, Lord Jesus, in our lives. Here's what I want us to do. If this Bible message has been used of God in your life, or we can pray for you in some definite way, please contact us at enjoyingthejourney.org. We hope you will share the message with others who may also be encouraged by it. For additional full-length Bible messages, please visit Dr. Scott Pauley's YouTube channel. Tomorrow is the Lord's Day, and we want to encourage you to be faithful to attend a Bible-preaching church in your area this Sunday. Thank you for listening to The Weekend Pulpit, and don't miss Enjoying the Journey daily devotional podcast each Monday through Friday.